0: Welcome to the Lovecraft Tapes Podcast. Listen, this is if you dare, to the, the Lovecraft end Tapes. of Case 13 Iris. I am Jeremy, Keeper of Arcane Lore, and we play Call of Cthulhu, a role playing game filled with cosmic horror, existential dread, and Tiny Tim singing. Inside your bedroom closet while you shiver beneath the covers, afraid to emerge from under your blanket fort until sunrise, but suspecting the morning may never come. Your investigators of the unknown are... Gabe as Roy. Come on, baby, give me a
1: softball question. Make it easy. Matt as Rocky.
2: Yeah, I can answer that, but it's going to cost you like 20 bucks.
0: (sighs) And Brian as Pippa. I'm Pippa, your arcane lord. All right, welcome players. Tonight we will be answering questions regarding the podcasts and our recently completed scenario. Spoiler alert, we will discuss all of the nitty gritty details of this adventure, so if you haven't listened yet, you may want to go back and start at Case 13, tape one prologue before listening to the rest of this episode. You have been warned. Case one, tape one. Go back and listen. Don't worry,
2: Gabe. We're just going to strictly keep this about Rampart. I'll only
1: answer questions about the Matt and Gabe show. My real
0: podcast. Listeners, if you would like to send a letter from beyond, please do so on our website anytime at lovecrafttapes.com, including questions for these episodes where we do Q&As. Also, a gentle reminder that if you would like to chat with us in real time, join our Discord server at discord.lovecrafttapes.com today, and maybe... Just maybe. Tiny Tim will like you, friend you, then follow you back to your house, creeping into the bedroom closet to wait for nightfall. You know what comes next.
3: Is that when he pokes you? I think he (laughs) tiptoes through your tulips. Fun fact about that. Is that that a euphemism?
0: This show is brought to you in part by our generous fans and supporters on patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes. So thank you to Jordy Rose, Barry Robeson, Atulia, Brittany Davis, Elizabeth Greve, Chris Parker, Brownie Davis, Kyle Sherman, Huge Pie, Jefferson Bell, Eric Zane, Olda, Polkert, Mitch L., Lobster Johnson, Amanda Power, Frank Delventhal, Harold, Eric Phillips, Melombra 57, Wouter Vermayan, John Scarcella, Daniel Caprone, Snow. Dom Driver, Andrew Petty, The Frilled Shark, John May, Phil Dickinson, Flicks Capacitator, Robert Jameson, Boston Harbor Horror, Eric Setterberg, Yog, Little Rowan Plays, Liz Moonberry, Stephen Gregory, Divinia Von Zarevich, Ripley Iwan, Discordiant, Shane Stoley, Sheldon Warner, Chainsaw Unicorn, Captain Bashton, Peter VDB, what's up, Pete? James Brown, A. E. Jonesy, Marty Dixon. The Stardust, Horst Draper, Gregory Schmucker, Matthew, Oddity, Prophet of Woe, Ruined Ashes, Brindle Stubbs, David Winterman, Kevin C, Rolling Boxcars, Casper Rybeck, Manic B Media, Ba Tran, Jeffrey Young, Bifford, Alexandra Kroska, Phoenix Black, Holden Omans, Puddle Time, Phil Campbell, Justin Levesque, Nicholas Hutto, Tomas, John Kodopasik, Jay Clark, Mick Cope, Kevin G., Robert Lamb, Jehovah's Thickness, Steve L., Benjamin King, J.R., Saraton, Wizard of Isinglass, and finally, Will Pay to See Ernie Eat Sarah's Toilet Rat. Thank you to everybody who donated. Appreciate all the support. And now, dear investigators, we recap Case 13.
2: Previously on the Lovecraft Tapes.
0: After the destruction of Blaine Manor our staunch detectives are forced to travel to New York City, hoping to uncover the secret of the Odobrati relic and the whereabouts of Charles Blaine. Unfortunately, they run afoul of a secret cabal of cools, led by none other than Jason Winflower, the serial killer who ran amuck at the contented cow. With a little help from new friends, our heroes manage to overcome this ultimate evil, and, but not before one of their number is faced with the very real prospect of pushing up daisies. All right, guys, let's A some cues. What do you say? It's going to cost you like 20 bucks. Right off the bat, from Chris Parker, who we know, this is for everybody, what was the experience like for y'all to revisit and in many ways close the book on The Blaine Saga, this
1: chapter? To me, the Blains are something that have been kind of at a distance for me throughout it all. I mean, other than, you know, when I was just beginning and it was kind of wrapping up. So it was interesting to put myself into the scenarios of other folk. And, uh, you know, it was really cool to be able to be a part of it. And, you know, let's just say that I'm... I I really closed up the books. I really helped these folks out.
3: You cleared the slate.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Pippa, you were also... um... Far away from it, but I I guess, you know, also as a player. So, uh, Brian, what do you think? It was nice
3: to know, but kinda, kinda sad. You know, it's like closes that chapter on way back when, when we first started, you know what I mean? Chapter one, case zero. (laughs) That's where we picked everything and made everything and then it's that everything from then is gone now. So it's closed. Um, I'm announcing my retirement?
0: No. What do you think, Matt?
2: It's kind of sad. I mean, like you said, it's it was literally the foundation of where we started building this was with Charles and Samantha Blaine and Dan, and we saw Chuck move off, and then we still followed him around, and then Sam went, and then Dan left, and for a while they were kind of like on the periphery, you know, just kind of hanging out, you know, still... Yeah, what if thing out there in the universe? And now that we know, you know what happened to everyone, it's it's nice to kind of see all those threads come together into a neat bow. But I'm 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 sad to see it go. But you know, with the infinite universe that is storytelling, I'm sure we're going to find something just as great, if not better, out there as we continue on into Case 14.
3: An alternate universe? What well, multiverse? Where they're all alive? The 30s or something. The twenty thirties, the twenty
1: oh
0: yeah,
3: twenty seventy seven
0: seven years ahead. Go cyberpunk, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, and uh, just for my part, uh, it felt really good to uh, close the book. Uh, yeah, you know, I didn't expect it to happen, but I think it it made sense. So yeah. it was a very neat and tidy way to wrap things up. Cyberpunk. It
3: was because pulling pulling windflower right windflower mm-hmm. right. Is that Mm -hmm. what we're going with? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. Still pulling windflower back in to get that closure was good for me as well as a Mm -hmm. player. Getting that uh, that closure on that too. Yep. Yeah, it was um, sad when I told George that uh, Chuck was dead because he goes, "Oh, cool." (laughs) (laughs) That was was George. He's He's closed that a long time ago. We closed that
0: door. (laughs) All right, moving on. Uh, Phoenix wants to know from me, uh, in Case 10, tape 2, after Rocky's chess match, if you remember this, Rock, uh, Kenny says the name Declan is familiar, and he thought that was one of Delta Green's agents. Nothing came of it despite Rocky's paranoia and suspicion of Delta Green at the time. Was it a throwaway line, an attempt to feed that paranoia, or a subplot that never got explored by the players? and i thought about this for a while i went back and had to actually look at my notes and the the bottom line is uh i actually had written this into the plot was that uh kenny was playing chess with rocky so he was attempting to throw his opponent off so when rocky mentioned declan first in the conversation kenny seized on that and tried to use it to get a response and sort of make uh rocky a little um uneasy or whatever questioning or off his game, but that just didn't really happen. So that, that's kind that was the whole reason. I mean, we were, we're so many cases beyond that. It doesn't really matter at this point. And that that's the only reason that really, I introduced it. So
2: it's really hard to shake. This like a steel fortress up here.
0: (laughs) You were rolling so fucking good. I was like, eh, not going to work. So this is from me for Brian. Pippa seems to be leaning into the magic use, and it's starting to take its toll, both mentally and physically. We already know she drinks a lot of coffee, so it seems like she's becoming an adrenaline junkie, too. In your mind, what is Pippa's situation six months after the events of New York City? Well, it obviously took time to recoup.
3: Feeling the power and the success that she had with that fight and with her casting, she's been practicing on a small scale, trying to hone her skills to where it's more reliable and not just a, I hope this works, throw it up in the air and see what sticks. You know what I mean? She's, she's been focusing on that, which has allowed her business to fall off a bit. But she's still selling houses, just she's she's really pulled back a lot on that, um, maybe two or three a, a month or or so, just to stay busy on that front, keep it moving, keep it operating, making it a one-person job since she no longer has an assistant and no longer wants one. So it's easier to keep track of everything when it's just you that needs to keep track of
0: mm-hmm. I wondered too, like, you know, would would uh, Pippa be so wrapped up in that those studies and trying to hone those things mm-hmm. that, like, she once upon a time she was like, oh, I need to be here at this time. Yep. Is she like starting to be a little lax and maybe forgetting appointments? That, that's uh, why
3: it's it's fallen down to two or three yeah. a month instead of two or three showings so, a day. So you're you're not
0: number two in Arkham
3: anymore, right, or in Massachusetts? Um, she hasn't thought of it in at least four weeks nice. where she stands in anything other than focusing on herself and what she can do
0: it. with what she has. Cool. In- interesting, interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's We'll get to that here in a minute, too. Uh, Ineptus the Stardust wants to know from Matt, re-listening question... Re-listen question for Case 12, almost up to the new season. Is the clown hatred just a Rocky thing or a Matt thing as well? Matt seemed to jump that way pretty fast.
2: It's a Rocky thing. I mean, I'm not, like, deathly afraid of clowns IRL. I find them more annoying than anything else. It's that style of, like, physical slapstick humor isn't my cup of tea. Uh, I jumped on clowns because A, we were dealing with uh, a circus and B, fear of clowns is a really common thing. So I figured it'd be a really great play because it gave me a lot of a lot of material to work off from real life and it'd make it a little more relatable for all those people out there who are actually afraid of clowns.
0: Okay. Oddity uh, would like to know, does your investigator have a last will and testament? And if so, what are their final wishes? Pippa did not have one. Now
3: she does. In the last couple of weeks, she's she's done that. She's written something roughly up. It's in her safe in the office. Everything of power that she has, which is kept in a sealed box, goes to Rocky. How about uh,
0: Rocky?
2: An actual, like, legally binding document? No. Does he have a plan in place? I'd say Yeah. He lives off of the the principle of leave no trace. Like he's really big on taking taking out the the bigger threats and making sure that nobody else has to deal with that or live with that knowledge. So I think that that carries over into his plans for himself when he's done. Um, I like to think that he has things in place that you know when he's finally gone that he as, people to carry steps through to more or less erase him because like his work, he doesn't want any trace left. Uh, if Roy is still around, I'm sure he would probably end up sending something to him and his family. Um, if not, he probably has plans for all of his money and his assets, wherever they're stashed away to go to where he thinks they can do the best to help other people. Cause in the end for him, it's a lot of doing the best for the common good and even at the end if he can help someone else or do something to make things better that's what he's gonna do
1: how about roy roy has no plans he's never gonna die when he goes other people can worry about it it's not his job that is a strategy all right uh gabe do you got a question hey matt
2: yeah Gabe.
1: did rocky have any plans for how he was going to utilize the resources of the basement before he stupidly destroyed it
2: one, not my fault.
1: Yes, it was.
2: Two, yeah, that, it was very clear that Charles was deep into some some far out shit. And I'm more than 100% sure that there was something else in that basement that would have led to some sort of other crazy adventure. When you get that deep into looking into this kind of things, you don't stop at just one so there's, there's, he definitely had some more crazy stuff hidden down there that we could have used or that would have taken us somewhere. So I'm, I'm kind of sad to see that, that Blaine Manor, or I, I guess I should say Blaine Manor, is, is now gone.
0: Uh, it looks like we do have a question here in the chat. For you, Jeremy. Do you ever plan on going into another dimension? I know it was sort of not really touched on with the Cat VR, but I was meeting more like a nightmare hellscape. Uh, this is from Dirtman Band, who I think is Prophet of Woe. I kind of would love to get these guys into uh, the dimensional places that already exist within Lovecraftian lore, and so yeah, I would say yes. I, I don't have any uh, concrete plans because the stuff just hasn't brought us to that brink yet. I think that's almost going to be a you know a come to Jesus moment uh, situation where. They're, they're probably going to have to actively go in and, and try to do something that is, you know, going to save the world. So we'll accidentally activate
3: something is what you're saying?
0: <laughs> Ineptus Dostardus asks me, uh, I noticed throughout case 12, Jeremy really seemed to be pushing the Charlene and Rocky angle, despite Matt having Rocky show no interest. Jeremy would step in a few times and say, you feel... Was Charlene working magic on Rocky? And that's why Jeremy occasionally took more control of what the character felt, thought in this area. Um, so to answer that, uh, Charlene wasn't really using any magic per se, though she was trying to use her wiles to ingratiate herself to Rocky. And it kind of worked. I mean, the, the role-playing actually kind of worked. Uh, and her intent, obviously, was to get closer to Pippa's star stone. That was really the only reason to butter him up. Um, However, I did approach Rocky's feelings toward Charlene in a very simple manner. Have you ever fallen in love? It is a deeply confusing and completely alien compulsion against which you sometimes have no defense in real life. So I kept throwing that at Rocky to see what would stick, which would he actually, you know, take the bait. That was primarily it, and you know no matter you know your best laid plans, if you meet the the right or wrong person, uh, sometimes you're helpless in the grip, so that's the way I played it and and I also wanted to sort of keep him off balance for Charlene's true motivation by adding this wrinkle that I know he probably would have uh pressed up against or pushed against so that that was it. It wasn't really. Charlene, like doing some Ooga Booga on him. It was more just the normal human compulsions that sometimes we just can't help. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah. Well, you know, I, the, 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 you know, he had agency. He could do whatever he wanted. But, but the feelings I had to introduce as an alien kind of thing that uh, he'd have to deal with. Feelings. All right, Atulia wants to know from Gabe, have you thought about the next character you might play? Can you give us any teasers?
1: Uh, No teasers. I have a plan. Uh, But like I said, Roy was never going to die, so
2: no need. Can we keep this professional? We're strictly here to talk about the Matt and Gabe show. All right,
0: well, speaking of which, Matt, do you have a question for Brian? Uh,
2: So, Brian, when you first built Pippa as a character, did you start out with the I want to be a, 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 a magic user in mind? Or was it just kind of a, a happy accident that happened in roleplay that you've you've leaned into and developed as a trait for your character?
3: I think, I think it was magic, but it was like uh, I had to see what I could get away with. So I called Jeremy to help with all of that, obviously. Um, because... Not knowing, even though we've had 13 seasons, um, not knowing the full universe and, and what the restrictions might be, I wanted to make sure I was building a character that was feasible and that would, um, that would kind of fit in without taking over. You know what I mean? Because if you build a character that is, you know, too heavy in one section it could, or one area, it could push, push everybody to the side and everybody's roles would shift and change. And I did not want that at all. I wanted to be someone who was in the back seat all the time, somebody who could develop and push their way to the front, you know, on their merits rather than than just having the power to do so. So, yeah, it was always a thought to be able to have magic, but not experienced in any of it. You know what I mean? Very, very immature in learning on that aspect. But now, now I have the power.
2: He's full of CNC Music Factory. He got the power. It's my dun, origin story. Dun,
3: dun, dun. <laughs> I remember back in the day when I was a realtor. <laughs> Hey, that's me. I'm sure you're wondering how I
1: got
0: myself in this situation. <laughs> Record right <in> scratch. <clears throat> All right, the frilled shark wants to know from everybody: if your characters ever had to play a sport, which sport would they be best at, and why? Ooh,
3: I got mine. Badminton, baby. Shuttlecock. Because I'm, qu- I'm I'm quick. I can get r- to any spot on that court. And I love shuttles.
2: (laughs) Nice save.
3: Thanks. I save a ball. Unlike
1: Rocky, Roy is actually an Arroyo. He's great at every single sport because he understands that the only good way to play sports is to be as violently defensive as humanly possible. Basketball.
0: (laughs) Call your own fouls, baby. means you don't call them. Obsidian, this phoenix says, I could see Rocky playing cricket or croquet. Go for water polo? He's really
1: good at those disappoint your father sports.
0: Hey, I didn't say I was playing ultimate frisbee, okay? Crossy wants to know of Brian. Is Pippa going to take that lady from the hotel up on her spell training? Yes. I'm definitely in contact. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Brian, do you have one for me? Did you expect Windflower to put up more of a fight? No, I think... It- you know, I wasn't quite sure, but I, I didn't want to overpower you guys with like, you know, if you had dawdled and if things went sour, then yes, you would have been swarmed by ghouls at the end and probably all devoured. But um, the fact that um, I did have built in like certain, it was a cadence to the rounds. So I knew that in round three or four or a five, I can't remember what, uh, a Loliola was going to come in, you know, and I knew that um you know you guys had a little bit of firepower with choo Choo there because he had a pistol so I kind I tried to make it as challenging as possible and as life-threatening as possible without completely decimating TPk and um and, and windflower himself I I felt like you guys deserved the chance to have vengeance for Chuck so he couldn't be a god. He and he wasn't a god. He was just a dumb asshole who serial killer who became a ghoul, you know, and then took took control of the ghouls that were beneath this one little faction of ghouls. So I didn't want to make him super crazy, but he was also very, you know, obviously he did some damage. He killed Roy, so you know, I'm,
2: I, revenge for Chuck is the name of my new cover band. Just there you know. yeah. oh, well.
0: go, <laughs> Chuck's vengeance. No so so it it was a i wanted it to be as uh enthralling and thrilling as possible when that final fight scene but not to be There's no you know i had, you guys had to have a chance and he rolled very well so and they rolled very poorly that that's how this thing goes occasionally yeah you know? for once <laughs> for once that's how this thing goes it's usually us that do the poorly well it, it, usually you guys somebody pulls it out you know usually in in the clutch somebody can usually do it it's usually him yeah it's 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 usually rocky uh, absolutely but and occasionally roy is done here and there but in this case it was roy who got the shorter not the sick for show sure. <laughs> so anyways
2: question from the chat uh what's with roy uh, phoenix wants to know what's with roy's eldritch lightsaber slash glowing ethereal dildo <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, Gabe wants to know that too.
3: <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Adam and Eve, for sponsoring us. Yes. Uh,
0: yeah, Hashtag Enter code
2: Lovecraft at checkout for a free special gift. <laughs> 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 all right,
0: uh JB Sharkbite wants to know <laughs> with all the madness and twisting paths of Call of Cthulhu, it gets a bit confusing after a while. Is it possible to get a recap on the story so far?
3: No, I'm sorry. No Matt will do no. it. We went to New York. We had a great time. Went to an art gallery, and then we're Guys, now we're back got home.
1: This. Yes, it is possible. Next question.
3: Oh, from the beginning? Once there was darkness. Then there was a big explosion. So so JB Sharkbite,
0: you know, we don't have a wiki right now. I know that Chris is working on one. And uh maybe in the future we'll have something that will help lead you through it. But honestly, at this point, It's, you know, you have to kind of go through it a bit.
2: We need a Lovecraft tape supercut.
0: But no, you know, I have actually thought about, at some point, trying to do a novelization of some of the past events, like take a case or chapter. Some would be good show stories, for sure. Leather bind it.
2: Yeah, we have to bind it in human skin. It's the only way.
1: And we have to write it in human blood. Gabe, do you have a question for me? So when I went up the stairs of that... Arts House. How far was that gonna go? Was I gonna end up getting put in a pit and skinned alive if I didn't get out of there?
0: No, he was really going to see how far you would go in becoming a model. That's all. And, and of course, the the more you know that you got to know him or got closer to him, the more details you might have gleaned within that studio apartment because there were more secrets and more things. And you could you had the opportunity to question him and maybe get him to be. I don't know, you could could seduce him. He was into that. Blown chances. One of Roy's regrets in life. Yeah. So, but no, you you weren't really in any mortal danger.
2: So what you're saying is we were denied tasteful nudes of Royo Royo.
0: You
3: do not have to look far for that. Once you got upstairs, it was just canvases with one letter on each that said send
0: nudes. Phil Lulu uh, sent me a thing, just a question for me, but I actually think you guys could actually answer it, too. He doesn't want that, though. I know, but it's, it's a fun question. So the question is, Pippa, Rocky, Roy, shag, Mary, kill. And I said, shag Roy, because you know he likes to get it on. <laughs> marry Rocky, because he can bring home the bacon and he'll never cheat on me. Kill Pippa, because she's liable to go off her rocker one day and start using her powers against me. I'd shag Pippa. I'd marry Pippa. And I'd kill, I'd kill Pippa. That tracks.
3: I'd fuck Roy because I do every day. <laughs> I'd kill
1: Rocky because come on. And I'd marry Pippa because I can leave her at home with the twelve kids pretty easily.
3: I'm already married to myself.
2: Well, clearly I would have to shag Rocky because it's the the right choice between the two. <laughs> then I'd have to kill Roy just in revenge.
1: But you're and already guess- dead.
2: I'd come back from the grave and then kill you in revenge.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: but I'm unkillable. You forget,
2: I got five more lives. So, you know.
0: True story. And then you'd marry Pip, of course.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. by process of elimination, I guess I have to.
0: Nice. All right, uh, Matt, do you get a question for me?
2: Near the end, when we were or when they were exploring that, that lost subway station, it seemed like there was uh, a couple of different places they could have gone within there that they kind of straight away from were there other other clues or mysteries hidden in that subway station that might have given them a little bit of a heads up as to what they were dealing with or did they they find everything they needed to find
0: No, I think I think they need they they got everything they needed to as far as that goes cuz uh, when we got to where I knew we were going to have the confrontation down in the tunnels um, I kind of had to speed things up a bit because, as usual, we were <laughs> lagging in the timeline, and I was like, "Okay, this is a good spot. We're actually going to have the two parties meet in in the uh, in the underground." And uh, so it was Choo Choo Roy and Pippa in the abandoned Seventy Sixth Street Station, and I it, it was going to be a bit more verbose, but because they had Windflower and the gang on their tails, I kind of had to, and it was going to be, I was thinking more along the lines of, um, uh, what is it? John Carpenter's, uh, help me out, precinct 13, right. Or precinct 31 where it's a, you know, they're holed up in this one spot and it was going to be a inundation of ghouls at them and they'd have to figure things out.
3: Wave but, after wave after yeah, wave.
0: Yeah. But it, you know, there really only was the 76th Street station as a means to get to the ghoul layer. And you know, inevitably, to and that's where you know it, it was a sort of a one-way thing because you you get Charles Blaine's body there, and then beyond that, they were going to be driven into deeper into the ghoul era. So it, it kind of panned out the way it should have. But uh, yeah, I don't. I, I think everything was found. There was there were some verbose things, but it was not of any consequence other than like scares and maybe minor clues, but. Nothing that was really going to help at that point. You guys had uncovered most of it.
2: We're actually investigating as investigators? What?
0: Looks like Crow's got a question. Ghouls versus Ratma. Who wins? Ratma. Oh, come on.
2: <laughs> no contest. I think Ratma, I think ratma If would we win. can beat the Ghouls,
0: Ratma can beat yeah. the Ghouls for sure. I think, I think Jason Windflower was a Ratma. Yeah. Dirtman Band, Prophet Woe has question for me with your destiny obsession do you ever feel the want to borrow inspiration from the lore a lot of it would fit really well i.e the hive worm gods would be an awesome entity no I actually haven't thought about it although there are uh, lovecraftian elements within destiny that I think would make a nice fit but no I've never I've never thought about it it'd be interesting I, I wouldn't I don't think I could borrow directly because I'm too you know, entrenched in horror lore and horror movies and that sort of thing, that I would the be. horror house, ho- the horror. <laughs> house. That's our next
3: the
2: horror house.
0: <laughs> Chapter fourteen, the horror house. The whore no. house. Uh, all right, this is a question from the frilled shark for Gabe. Why on earth did you give Roy such a low twenty-something handgun skill stat way back when?
1: It's called being realistic. Roy doesn't practice. He just doesn't. And let's be honest, he didn't have a lot of shooting on the job back in his old position, so it just is what it is.
3: I'll put it out there. No matter how hard as a player we think of where we should put our points when we're building a new character, it's always wrong. <laughs> it's always wrong. Because we never roll for the things that we think we should roll, be able to roll for, that we will roll for. So- I was
1: right, because I didn't think about it that way. I thought
3: about... What would this character know? Roy, you haven't made many characters, my friend.
2: <laughs> it's a weird balance when you're building characters, because it's like, do you spend the points into things you know you're going to need, like, listen and spot hidden and, you know, all the all the stuff you know you'll have to use as an investigator? Or do you take those points and you spend them into role-playing possibilities and help flesh out the character a little bit? because it can make it more interesting if you use those points for character development, but it can then end up being a bit of a detriment later on if you don't have that, like, core, almost required skill set for, for doing the investigating part of Call of Cthulhu.
3: Now, and Jeremy's good at that. as he, he doesn't have, every time we do a scenario, it's like, okay, roll for this, roll for that. And it's not always the same thing you're rolling for, so we can't plan. You know what I mean? He's not... He, he hasn't fallen into that habit of uh, uh, roll for search or, you know what I'm saying, roll for medicine or whatever it is, over and over again so we can plan as players. Oh, he's going to ask us for that, so we need to put points spot in Spot hidden's the only one. <laughs> and and that's even rarer now. We haven't really done a spot hidden much. You know what I mean? so There it is. It's, it, I like it it keeps us on our toes, and we're like, where should we put our points? Because normally at this stage, after 13, we'd be like, okay, all of them go into this, all of them go into that, and then we put the rest here, and we'll be fine. We, we can't do that. I'm just saying,
1: the fact that I haven't rolled many characters means that I'm good at it. We have a
0: little more experience. <laughs> about failure. All right, we're going <laughs> to step on the gas here a little bit. Gerard uh, cool. wants to know, where and when did you all meet?
1: There's no way I can say it without being creepy.
2: <laughs> oh, you're talking about that t- in the bathroom. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I know what you're getting at. That was...
3: the I, toe. Met, I met Gabe when he was 14. <laughs> Matt, I met you when you were 14. <laughs> and I groomed them, everybody. <laughs> I met Brian
0: when he was zero. 1973. Oh, lead groomer. Yeah, so, you know, obviously Brian's my brother, and and, uh, these guys were Brian's friends. Former students. Drama club and all that. Good stuff. Question for Gabe from me. Since swapping bodies, losing his family, losing his home, and now dying, how has Roy's worldview changed from when he was a simple FBI agent providing for his many, many kids?
1: He's definitely having more fun than he used to because he has less responsibilities. Because instead of having fun only when he wasn't at home, now he's having fun because he's never at home. Uh, He definitely misses his old body. But though, I will say that that kind of got put to bed when he, you know, burnt it alive. Uh, so he kind of got over that though he never will entirely he only has one person that annoys him versus 13 uh, he definitely misses his hometown he definitely misses the ability to know everyone and do everything that's why last scenario i thought was really good uh, to be able to be around things he knows and around people he knows i mean he just likes to know
0: people
2: are you my dad She's got to sit out for more people in this shed.
0: Will pay to see Ernie eat Sarah's toilet rat has a question for me. It seems that all episodes end up being resolved with violence, although many times it's a violent end to an artifact. How many of the big bads dispatched by the intrepid investigators were immortal, as in couldn't can't be killed by direct violence? So th- I thought about this for a bit, obviously Dagon. If that encounter actually occurred, we're not quite sure if it did because of the Seven Samurai telling you the story. Obviously, Dagon is unkillable uh, by conventional means. I'll find a way.
2: We'll get them on tax evasion, like they did with Al Capone.
0: <laughs> all, all the cultist type folks are mortal, so they can all be killed. The, those guys were you know, nothing like Tommy Lee and all that stuff. Those aren't bad. Those aren't big bads. The black goo on the island research center—that's mm-hmm. about as immortal as you can get. Yeah. Because it
3: only needs a tiny, tiny bit to survive. It's not Venom, guys. It's not It's not Venom. It is. You don't know, though.
2: But it might be Morbid time.
0: Brian, do you have a question for Gabe?
3: Did Roy, at any moment in time in this last scenario, have a moment of clarity through the fog of the uh, loss of sanity? Because it kind of seemed like you did in the fight. Like you snapped right in and were 100% present.
1: I tend to believe that Roy does that fairly often. I mean, you say what you want about him. I when it's time to get the job done, he gets the job done and he's fully aware of the stakes of most situations i mean i think that in his head most of the things that people get mad at him for doing is just petty nonsense like cops or that doesn't matter what are they going to do to him and cultists what are they going to do to him these are just people but when it really comes down to brass tacks and people are in danger i think he can uh really you know really get the job done b- make it a clear situation of what he needs to do
0: almost like muscle memory yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Bifford has a question for Gabe. What were the last of her thoughts to run through Roy's mind as he sailed through the air to crash into death? This is gonna hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Perfect. That's great. Perfect. Uh Matt, <laughs> do you have great. a question for Gabe?
2: So over the the ensuing cases, Roy seems to get beat up a lot. Uh whether it's being hurled across a room or, you know, lit on fire with a Molotov cocktail. Uh he spends a lot of time in and out of hospitals and recovery so the only obvious question is red hospital jello or blue hospital jello
1: Blue hospital jello red is for the weak
2: Exactly that's the right answer
1: Raspberry baby and to answer your other question they hate me cuz they ain't me and that's why I get beat <laughs> up so often
0: Did you just say they hate us because they ain't us? Jarrah says, uh, in a lot of the episodes, the Keeper will throw to the players typically something like, so tell us how you felt about that, or that reminds you of a childhood incident. Tell us about that. How much notice do the players get to craft a response, or is it all ad lib on the spot?
2: If we're lucky at the beginning, Jeremy will be like, I need you to make up I'm gonna have you make up a little something. And that's a that's about all we get.
3: That's you not even when we start fifteen minutes early and do pre-show, you know, notes and anything like that if we have questions. It's like, okay, we're going live in three minutes. And I need you guys to come up with a dream scenario for about five minutes and to talk about it. (laughs) We're like, what?
1: Your best bet for notice is to have to give the, the the last story of the
3: three.
2: Yeah, yeah, usually that's the best bet because then you at least have an idea of yeah. what's coming.
3: And, and we don't know who gets to go first until he does his <laughs> prologue. And he's like, No, Brian, tell me what you feel about that. I'm like, gubba, gubba.
1: <laughs> And sometimes he'll be setting it up and he'll be talking about Rocky, the whole prologue. And I'll be
0: like, All right, what was Roy feeling? <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, shit.
0: Yeah. Guilty as charged. I I do tend to throw these guys. I mean, usually it occurs like it's again, it's all down to cadence and rhythm. It it appears like, okay, I think we're at a a spot in the story where this would be good. And uh, we need to, you know, I've been doing a lot of the talking. So I think it's time for these guys to step up and, and, uh, and flush out some of that backstory. So he doesn't know. We don't like to talk. Oh, Chris Parker wants to know from Gabe. How does Roy feel about the Celtics' chances in Game 6? Better or worse than his own next chapter? They're not going to win, and he knows
1: that, so he's getting really angry and violent towards anything that he can. So
0: better than his own chances. All right, I got a question for Matt. It's obvious Rocky has feelings for his brother, despite butting heads most of the time. Rocky is also very experienced with the darker arts, having had many brushes with these unsavory forces in the past. Would he ever be tempted to use that forbidden knowledge to, say, bring his brother back from the dead?
2: I'd be lying if I said the thought hadn't crossed my mind. Like is, Like you said, as much as they butt heads and don't get along at the end of the day, they're their brothers and that's kind of what he expects that's the the only kind of familial interaction he's had is that that constant you know rubbing up against each other the wrong way head butting and that's that's just what he expects from family and you know in a strange way that's kind of what he he's come to enjoy about it is that no matter how many times they they get into it or how many times they end up being angry at each other he's still you know Roy is still Rocky's brother and that's uh, that family connection is something that you can't really get rid of no matter how hard you try it'd be it'd be very tempting to to go digging through the archives for something to maybe bring him back but at the same time I think he understands the the universal rule of all magic comes with a price and it comes down to that weighing of, is that price worth paying? And usually when it comes to toying with the strings of fate, the answer is no. Because you end up getting monkey like a motherfucker.
0: John Scarcella wants to know from me, without spoiling anything based on the epilogue where Roy was not so lucky, what was the wound that possibly killed off my favorite PC? Uh, just blunt trauma. And the uh, first aid failed. Now, we don't know what happened after that because we kept the scene there. So I guess we'll figure out what happened in Case 14. All right, Brian, do you got a question for Matt? Rocky, are you
3: monitoring the powers that are growing inside of Pippa? And are you concerned?
2: Yes and yes. For the vast majority of the interactions that Rocky has both been through and seen over his long years, dabbling in things that you don't understand tends to lead to some some negative outcomes. Uh, magic, especially in Call of Cthulhu, is kind of a two-way street. Yeah, you're getting that power and that ability to do whatever, but at the same time, you're giving something up. And usually what you end up giving up is yourself. And so whenever you see somebody start to really dig into that magic is when you need to start being concerned. The same thing happened to to Sam where she lost one of her arms due to to going a little too far into things that she she didn't understand. So anytime he sees anytime he sees somebody who's, you know, diving headfirst into into this kind of World where they he you know knows only bad things come from it's it's something to be concerned and worried about. <laughs> Are you gonna Palpatine me? Is that what this is? Are you going to sit in the corner and go Unlimited
0: power? Phoenix wants to know from me: Will we ever find out what Rocky and Ripley discussed between cases twelve and thirteen? And uh, I thought about this and I said I think so. Uh, There's some gray area as to whether that encounter actually occurred, and I had planned on fleshing it out a bit more in case 13, but it was so logical and convenient to move the action to New York City and get the characters uh away from Blaine Minner and Arkham that I, I just couldn't resist not doing that. So everything, however, comes home to roost. So we will try to tie up some loose ends that may or may not happen in case 14. So I can't say no, but you can say, I think so.
2: I think I can.
0: This is for all of us, I believe, from Andrew Petty. Uh, including the secret tapes. This will be fun to dig around your heads. Who is your favorite character you've played? I'll start off because I, I thought about it. I've had time to think about it. And I think in um, The uh, Cannibal, I played a Clint Eastwood-like character. And I just had a blast playing that guy, so. Just play that draw.
3: Dr. Pretoria for me.
0: Yes, Dr. Hibbert Pretorius.
3: Oh, he was so fun! Because I got to do a stupid voice, and I got to be outrageous because I knew it didn't matter. Aaron Martinez.
0: I thought you hated
1: doing Aaron. I did, I hated it. It's Roy. I was joking.
2: (laughs) The unreleased demo half game we played with Gabe way back in the day. Played, I, I made Jesse McCree from Overwatch as a Call of Cthulhu <laughs> character, including the stupid southern accent. And I had like 80 plus points into handgun. That was a good time. Just, It was really fun building a character strictly for shits and giggles. Because most characters you build, you're trying to achieve an outcome. But the fact that I got to build Jesse literally for straight shits and giggles because I knew that it was a, a one shot that did not matter in any way and I could do whatever I wanted was a lot of fun to have that freedom just to do really wacky stuff. And no one will ever hear it because we never finished it. There's only ever one of it. It's it's half. It half exists.
0: Crossy wants to know if uh, you guys enjoyed playing yourselves in that convention one with the spider eggs. Yes, actually, that was fun. That was a lot of fun.
2: The one where he told Gabe he knew he'd roll a one to fix the thing, and he rolled <laughs> yes. a one to fix the thing. Yes. That uh, was that the luckiest was MF on
3: the planet
1: right here.
2: Uh, that was. That a has good to one. be.
1: One of the most referenced moments from a one-shot that made it into the real podcast and no one knew what
0: we were talking about. Just constantly like, tell Gabe what he needs to roll. Just give him an exact number. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we've only got a couple questions left here. So, Gabe, you finally got one for Brian? Since Pippa's
1: definitely going to become evil now, do you regret meeting the Arroyo brothers? Or do you just wish that... Does Pippa just wish that she could have sold the house and gotten her commission and continued her rinky dink life the way
3: it was going no she probably would have maybe in the heat of that battle she probably would have wished to that and then everything turned around when she felt the support and the power surging and she could not turn back after that but meeting you guys yeah she wishes she would not have ever met you guys (laughs) no no, she's 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 come very become very close with with both of you. Just just the experience alone pulls people close together. You know what I mean? Because nobody else has that experience, and the only people you can share it with are the ones you went through it with. But um, she's definitely pulling back a lot. And kind of uh, focusing inward right now.
1: Well, how do you feel about the fact that your company definitely has to pay for the insurance on Blaine Manor?
3: Here's the thing. We were just in talks with the owner. I was there to meet him to list it. And we never met.
0: So it was never part of our listings. Jira wants to know for me, if one of the investigators dropped out to pursue other things, would you just pull in someone you already know? Or do you have a recruitment master plan ready to go? This was sort of brought up during uh, last month's Happy Hour event. And basically what I said was, you know, nothing lasts forever, but we just keep chugging right along, and much to our own amazement and amusement, we just, we do. We're still having fun, so we just keep doing it. Uh, When and if we lose a player, I'll reassess and make a plan. But right now, there's nobody waiting in the wings or anything like that. All right. Who do you hope drops out, Jeremy? Oh, I hope it's it's me. I hope I drop of a heart attack during a broadcast. No! be the most views ever right at like the height of something i would be like roll four <laughs> <laughs> i don't have a button label <laughs> maybe it was the castle of, ah. hashtag nut <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> from chris parker for all of the players the investigators have found themselves in some pretty diverse locales across 13 cases what's a location you'd like to see them explore
3: dead ass
1: oh (laughs) Oh, oh. he's nuts the island from zombie 2
3: oh shit yeah yeah Uh 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 like an antarctic or something like that maybe
2: up until last case i would have said it would have been fun to do something more urban but considering we just came off of working in new york city i can't say that anymore
0: i want to do something suburban like a literal suburban a chevy suburban All right, uh, final question uh, from John Scarsella for me. Will we ever know the fate of Samantha Blaine? Yes. We will? It's a yes or no question, John. So, guys, thank you for uh, tagging along. That's going to be it for this episode of the Lovecraft Tapes. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. Meanwhile, you can find us at lovecrafttapes.com with links to all our socials, including Discord, Reddit, YouTube, Twitch, and much, much more. You can find me on Twitter at Lovecraft Tapes. And
2: if anybody has any suggestions, because the Tapes Against Humanity deck is ever growing, white cards or black cards, you know, we'll take anything we can get. Uh, send them to me on Twitter at The Real Weird Kid, and I will add them in and we will use them, and it will be lots of fun.
1: And if anybody is just so annoyed by the random noises that they want to send me rent money, you can craft Gabe
3: I'm at Brian Podcast on Twitter And on Discord I will put a little tiny emoji Underneath your comments
0: sometimes
2: If you're lucky
0: Until next time Roll Four A candy colored clown They call the Sandman Tiptoes to my room Every night Just to sprinkle Stardust And to whisper go to sleep everything is alright
3: how do I roll for that? we're here all week
2: the Lovecraft Tapes podcast is copyright 2022 for more information and sponsorship opportunities please send email to podcast at the lovecrafttapes.com Support the Lovecraft Tapes podcast and get access to exclusive content and rewards at patreon.com lovecrafttapes.